Oh hi, this is a uh, it's a cold intro, as the people in the business call it. You already know this is the Rubbing Muscle Podcast. You already know what episode it is because you bloody clicked on it. I've I've <laughs> said in the last one I've started to lose interest in doing these uh, intros because I don't think they're valuable. I think they're wasting your time a little bit. Um, it would be awesome if you do subscribe. That's the only thing I kind of want to make sure that we are doing and, and listen to each episode because every single episode of the Rubbing Muscle Podcast should have some nuggets that you will take away. But if you're listening to these episodes regularly enough, you know that. This one is a Q&A edition. I don't know why I'm introducing it because I do another intro in the actual podcast itself, so I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to say is, if you are enjoying these podcasts, it would be awesome if you go to iTunes or podcasts or wherever you get your review, wherever you get listen to your podcast, give us a five-star review. And if you get your podcast on a different service, just go to Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out. This also goes out on YouTube, and this is kind of why I'm doing a cold intro, because the new intro music got me flagged, so awesome. Not that I'm getting a massive revenue from it, but I don't want to be flagged, so um, yeah, I've got nothing else to say. Let's just get into this episode, shall we, with the old intro. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another brand new Rugby Muscle Podcast. I'm your host, as always, TJ. And today's episode, it's a solo episode. I don't think I've done one of these for a while. Well, at least I haven't recorded one for a while. But I've got a bunch of questions that have been asked on the Rugby Muscle Athletes Facebook group. I am actually also live on the Rugby Muscle Athletes Facebook group. So if you're there, say hi and ask any questions there because I will be able to get to them. If not for sure at the end of this podcast, then definitely at the end of the next one. Um, I wanted to do this like I've been wanted to get into a good rhythm. So if you're watching this, vote on the poll also whether you want these to go live on Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. If you're listening to this in your podcast app, then you can go to the Facebook group Rugby Muscle Athletes and you can just or you'll be required to ask a question to join the group. It's one of the my weird quirks is I want to really it's not a weird quirk to want to be able to help people but I really want to be able to help you and give you actual direction not just random tips because more often than not that ends up overwhelming you and it doesn't assist you in the slightest having you don't need more ideas you need the idea that is going to specifically help you get better so with that in mind we've got questions a uh, decent backlog, actually. Some have been emailed to me in response to uh, if you have if, you, if you've got any questions for the live Q and A. Some have been asked on the Facebook group, but I'm going to get to as many as I can. I'll go for 31 minutes from now because that's when my timer says uh, I'll be up. I plan on doing these once a week for 45 minutes, um, and we'll get through as many as we can. Anyhow, don't trust me. I will get to them in the Rugby Muscle Athletes Facebook page in the short future um oh we've got one person watching awesome what's up solar oh no two people cool all right so without further ado let's get to the questions um we've got quite a few and i really do in like some of them are very detailed and this is how you're going to be able to progress is by asking these questions because you have to give that some thought so first question coming in says hi i'm an amateur player just looking to better myself would you recommend a cut slash bulk cycle for someone looking to gain muscle? If so, 
how would you look to structure it around the season? So first off, I pretty much always recommend doing some sort of cut or bulk cycle just because if you're not doing either of those, you're leaving a little bit on the table. Now let me rephrase that. So you want distinct cut, bulk, and um, maintenance cycles in terms of your weight. You always want to be in control of what your weight is doing. Therefore, you're able to ensure that your diet is fueling you adequately, right? So if you're looking to lose weight and you're not, your weight's not shifting, then you know you need to eat a little bit less and you need to, you can be held accountable for that if you want to shift some fat. If you want to gain muscle, then your, your 100% best way is to actually gain weight. Now, the, obviously there is different research into saying that you can lose uh, fat and gain muscle at the same time, but I think that even like even though that is possible, it, you're just not going to gain as much muscle had, if you would have done had you actually gone for a distinct phase of trying to gain that muscle and then maintain it and then lose the fat and then shred. Like you want to be in that sort of you want to know where you're at with that. If you just try and hold on to your the same weight whilst trying to get more rip, it's just going to take you a lot longer. And it's going to be not as like motivating as well. Like m mindset is a big thing for this. And if your mindset isn't like, if you're trying to actively gain weight, then you're going to be motivated as you see that scale move week on week, day to day. Like even if it's like slightly moving or, you know, up or down. Whereas if you're trying to um, recomp and you can almost bullshit yourself into getting no actual results in terms of changing your body composition, um, whilst being able to you know not really make any progress you know like you can work strength you can work power and just hold on to your muscle and just stay at the same weight and not really make any progress but you could also do that same thing and add some muscle if you're adding some weight or lose some fat if you're losing some weight so i always think that you want to be cycling out cutting and bulking um and all of the i've, I've spoken about this in the hypertrophy hacks episode but all of the benefits that or all of the processes that support gaining muscle are like ramped up by a hundred percent. If you're trying to actively, if you're in a calorie caloric surplus, if you're eating more uh, calories than you are burning, all of that is ramped up. So you're, you're just leaving potential on the table either way. I think I've gone over that point enough. Okay. Um, so my question, um, so essentially then in the season, it becomes a lot more of a longer term process. It's difficult to gain a lot of weight in season because of the volume that you're able to train. It like you know you're not able to get six two hour sessions and then also be able to have your two rugby sessions on top of that plus your your matches plus all the impacts that come with that trying to recover from that. It's difficult to be able to gain a lot of muscle very quickly. You can for sure um, actually gain some muscle if you if you target it right and if you get your recovery right and again if you get into a caloric surplus surplus then for sure you can gain weight and gain muscle but if you're i mean it's if you're limited in your amount of training that you can do then you might look to rather than like the amount of training that you need to do to gain muscle is going to be a lot more than a, a, a like significantly more if you go back to the last podcast with james hoffman he spoke about it 
um, about how the maintenance volume for muscle is like very minimal. You don't actually have to train too much to maintain, which means that maybe that's when you want to target some sort of strategic fat loss, right? And that could really work quite well is if you like lower your calories for say your games on Saturday, you have relatively lower calories Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, start to ramp them up on Friday and Saturday to fuel yourself for your game and to recover from your game. And then maybe Sunday, depending on how hard you play, you, you sort of manage that and figure out how you're going to lose weight. I do that with a lot of the athletes that I work with in season. More often than not, it's guys that want to just shed up a little bit. And then when you're in your off season, you're more likely to be able to have that training volume and that time to get into a consistent surplus. Hopefully that makes sense. So it, ideally, you're going to look at off season to sort of um, gain weight. Pre-season, you, can, you don't have to necessarily shed that weight, but you, you want to make sure that you are fueling yourself enough to be able to put forth the effort, like all of that conditioning that you're going to do, then you want to make sure that you're eating enough to maintain that. So I usually like look at pre-season as a bit of a maintenance and then a slow cut during the season can work, depending on how long your season are. Because it, it really, it's difficult to recommend in-season, off-season and pre-season recommendations just purely because of the fact that if you're in England, well, number one, we don't know when the fuck the season's going to begin anyway again. So, you know, we're, how long is this off season going to last? Number two, it varies massively how long a season is. Like Southern Hemisphere seasons and um, seasons here in the States and I think around the world, actually, quite a lot of the seasons will be either like short two to three month stints and that's it. And maybe you do two of those. Whereas in England, it's br- or France, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's brutal. You're going from August, September, all the way through till like around now would have been the end of the season. And that means that you've got that like longer time. So if you're saying that you can't gain muscle during the season and you should never try and gain muscle during the season, then that's September to May that you can't gain muscle, right? That's a lot of your year. And considering that I've already said, it's a lot, it takes a lot more volume and a lot more training to gain muscle, then that's so much time. So you've restricted yourself to such a small window to do so much effort that it's, you're just not, you're going to, over the course of your long-term training career slash life, you're going to leave a lot of your muscle gain and potential just untapped because you just simply will not have the time. So I do think there is a time and a place to gain muscle in season, particularly if you've got a season that's that long. Now, if your season's just a two-month stint, then that's a, that gives you, you know, even if it's two two-month stints, that gives you eight months to try out of 12 to try and gain muscle. You should be spending, if you're someone that wants to gain as much muscle as possible, you want to be spending the majority of your training career in a caloric surplus trying to gain muscle because that process is a long like it's just it just is it takes a lot longer to gain muscle than it does to lose fat yeah so it's going to be a very long off season dude for i think for everyone we don't know when we're going to be playing again so who knows what's going to happen with this corona so next question differences with playing career versus coaching versus bjj that's a great question man um this one came from my instagram and i remember when i first this is a few weeks old now, but I remember when I first got asked it, it really made me think deeply about the similarities and the differences and the importances of these three things. I think um, in terms of playing, I think it also varies massively depending on like the stage of my life I was at during these times as opposed to just saying, oh, you know, 
rug, playing rugby made me feel like this. Coaching made me feel like this. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu made me feel like this. Like, I'm also aware that I'm a 30-year-old doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I never was a 30-year-old playing rugby because I had to retire because of the concussion thing. So it's very difficult to see how I would... I think a lot of the stuff that I'm going to say about Jiu-Jitsu, I could have applied to rugby had I been doing it you know, at this stage in my life. I think a lot of these differences are with life lessons. But essentially, when I was playing rugby, that was my life. Um, like, it was everything. Like, even the fact that... Yeah, actually, it's quite obvious, really. If, you, if I can understand the fact that wherever I've lived my entire adult life, that has been because that was where I was going to play rugby. So, you know, um, you know Bedford for college... And then into Las Vegas and to America for that first stint, then to Bahrain, then back to um, America here in Denver and Glendale. Like my whole life has been dictated by where I was playing rugby. And even though it wasn't ever really a complete full time job, you know, I did a lot of traveling with it. I've done a lot of other things. You know, it was still my life. You know, it was it was my job. And if anything, it was more than my job. And it's why I'm um, still dedicated to the sport in this manner that I am now. Coaching is great for me it's um it's not quite the same as playing but it presents great challenges but it's not overly my life it's definitely much more of a it's still a job but i mean it's like rugby was a job and but it was also my life coaching is still a job but i'd say it's more of a part-time job it's something that i'm definitely passionate about and i want to keep pursuing it's something i can pursue for decades in the future so i'm really excited to see where that's going similar sort of thing with brazilian jiu-jitsu except i don't get paid for it um it has massively has that passion component. Um, and I think that it's, it's still more, more of a hobby. So I'm not as, uh, like my life would ebb and flow on how my rugby game was feeling when I was playing. Whereas jujitsu, like I just show up and I just, you know, there was, I've had three competitions so far in my training life, one, two of them. Um, and then one of them I lost and I, I, didn't really care and if anything the one that i lost gave me just much enjoyment as one of them the ones that i won because it's about that process um so it's like you know it, it's essentially how i differentiate them was not just as sports and, and hobbies and parts of my life i i attribute it to like just the time and then the mental and physical dedication that i've been putting towards each of them so obviously playing rugby was my life because it was where i lived um but it's difficult um yeah, like I said, it's difficult to compare them because of my different stages of life. I think when I was playing rugby, I put a lot of emphasis on the outcomes and I definitely got burnt out a few times. Um, I was so, you know, either making this certain team or playing a certain way or setting myself some certain goals. Like I was so into it that I 100% burnt myself out a few times because I never got my outcome. And, and I would always blame myself, like, um, and I beat myself up and see myself as somewhat inadequate because I wanted to push myself to be a player as high level as I could. And it's very difficult to see where you're, where you fit because you're just part of a, you know, 22 man or even, you know, 30 to 40 man squad. And you're subject to the whims of your coach to the, however your teammates are playing. It's very, you know, you're not as in control and so when things don't go as right, I still saw that as a reflection on myself. And I think, that, again, that's more to do with where I was at the time. Whereas um, coaching, like, I see myself more as accountable to everything. And in a way, I am, but I'm not married to the outcomes as much. 
I'm married to, and I think this is because of where I'm at in my life. I'm married to, have I done everything that I can do? I'm like, whereas if I didn't make a team um, as a rugby player, I'd beat myself up. I just think, oh, that wasn't good enough. Whereas as a coach, if we lose a game, then I'm like, right, did I do everything I could do as a coach? Probably not. Where can I get better? Where can I improve? And I apply a lot of that to where I'm at in my life. I also think, you know, it's just about how I've changed. And I think there's a lot of lessons that I've learned from jujitsu and through life that I could have, like, had I known this, rugby would have been different. Um, and I think, I don't know, like one of the best lessons I've learned from Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the, the emphasis on basic fundamentals because I think they do that because there are always going to be beginners. In rugby, if you're completely new to jo- and joining a team, you're like the likelihood that you're going to stick to it is very little because you're probably going to end up getting overwhelmed. And credit to guys that <clears throat> have started rugby in their 20s because I do think there's nothing to say that you can't start rugby in your 20s and succeed and be like a real high-level player. It's just that it's incredibly overwhelming at first and there's no real system built into teaching you how to play the game, teaching you the basic fundamentals. Whereas like so much of jujitsu is that it's going over basic fundamentals all the time. Even if you're a black belt, even if you've been doing it for a couple of decades, you will still spend time doing real basic stuff and just drilling it and walking through different moves. And I think maybe you could argue that Brazilian jujitsu has more of those different fundamental moves. Like you've got all the different submissions, all the different positions, and there's always more nuance to learn. But I think it's the same thing with rugby. And I think this is some, one of the issues that I do think that there is with rugby. Maybe, maybe it's because you have to play rugby every single week. Whereas Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like you're only in to competition mode, maybe three or four times a year at very most. Sometimes you're never in competition mode. Sometimes you, the whole thing is just about learn as much as you can learn. And maybe you take months out of, getting worse you know, in your taking someone's back and your guard retention but you get much better at your stand-up or you get much better at your side control or you much get much better at your leg game that you can't afford to do with rugby because you you're, you're when you're training you're playing every single week i would say that i find brazilian jiu-jitsu rugby playing and rugby coaching all like incredibly fun and fulfilling i feel like i'm incredibly lucky um, and I think I'm lucky also that I've seen toxic rugby environments. I've seen toxic jujitsu environments, um, you know, and I've just never really been a part of them. I'm, I'm kind of lucky in that aspect. And I think, you know, a lot of rugby teams will pride themselves on that. And I think it's more common than you'd imagine, but there are those toxic environments, there are those poor environments. And I've been really lucky. And again, maybe rugby there's more team-based you know, because there's infighting because there people are fighting for the same positions whereas jiu-jitsu it's all upon you so you you can help other people out and not worry about they're going to take your spot or take anything away from you like if, if someone else gets better there's no reflection on you whatsoever whereas if someone in rugby gets better they might take your spot and that's not good you know you know you're you're you then lose out whereas in jiu-jitsu if someone gets better that may, that is no reflection on you whatsoever um, I think I have learned a lot more since like maybe again because of the stage I'm, where I'm at in my life but I've learned a lot more in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu versus and coaching versus playing and I think that's more reflecting on the fact that I've started these both in my 30s or late 20s particularly like coaching a men's club I've always coached throughout my life but it was university it was 
um, kids teams. I've always coached or, or, or a forwards coach, but I've never like taken men's teams such as I have done in the last uh, few years. I think that, um, yeah, I've learned a lot more from that. Whereas playing, again, you can you can blame other teammates, you can blame the ref, you can blame lots of different circumstances for when you come up short. Whereas coaching, like I can only look at myself, and jujitsu again, I can only look at myself. It's very easy to gloss over your personal shortcomings with rugby playing because you're one of fifteen, or even in sevens, like you're one of seven. So you can blame anyone else on offense or defense. You can blame the ref. With coaching, you can sort of blame those things, but at the end of the day, you should always win. And like as an, you know, your objective as a coach is to win and to figure out a way that you can win without the referee interfering. Even if yeah, that's just not. You are not. You're in more control as a coach than you are as a player, um, and it's your fault if you lose in jujitsu and in coaching. I 100% believe that. I've never. It's something I've put pride in myself on as being a coach. Is I've never ever blamed the ref, and I've not let my team do that because as soon as you look at the ref, as soon as you look at something outside, you don't look at yourself, and you always should be. There's always stuff that we can do to improve, and maybe that's something that I've definitely learned from jujitsu, but something I've sort of learned as I've matured as a human. But I think all three are like absolutely amazing. I'm pa- passionate about all three. They've given me an amazing ability to escape life and escape the stresses of you know day to day life. Even though I end up making rugby my day to day life, you know, in the moment, the escapism that you get from sport, particularly these sports, is unreal, and I and I love it. I really do love it. And you know, I don't think there'll ever be a time that I'm pro- not doing jujitsu and probably not a time where I'm not going to do in some sort of rugby coaching. I, I, I love them both. I've spent way too long answering that question. Let's move on. So Callum asks, my question is about pregame nutrition, eating the right foods and morning of the game, as well as what to eat one hour prior to kickoff. As I seem to have no energy in the first 40, probably because you're digesting that food still that you ate an hour ago, but always seem to, always seem to have loads of energy in the second half. Thanks. Sorry, right, Callum. So, First things first, one hour to kick off is probably too close to be in a meal. If it's just sugary food, there's a chance it might digest and give you some energy. But if you've prepared ahead of time better, then it's not going to make too much of a difference. If anything, I think the key is to really make sure that you... So uh, if you go back to a podcast I've done previously with Dr. Jacob Reed, look it up. Just search Dr. Jacob Reed, Robbie Muscle, or Jacob Reed, R-E-E-D. We talk about pregame nutrition. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they think that there's one meal in isolation that your body's going to go, right, now I'm going to be energized. It's not the case. The case is that essentially your body stores muscle, you know, it stores energy, glycogen, I'm just going to call it energy for simplicity, right? You store that in the liver and in your muscles, you can store up to around 600 uh, grams of carbs or 660, six grams of carbs per body weight, per kilo of body weight around that in the muscle and the liver. So that's what's going to be fueling you. There's no, if you're eating anything on that day, you know, that's going to add to the fuel sources you've already got. But the idea is that you're already stocked up and you've got, so if you're a 100, 100 kilo dude, you want to have 600 grams of carbs a day before so that you've got that amount of energy 
in your in your body ready to go that's your body tapped out for energy if you if you eat any more than that then it's just going to be still trying to process that and store that as fat and anything that you're doing other than fueling your muscles to perform at the time so um like if you're eating an hour before a game your body's actually digesting that and it's wasting blood flow trying to digest that food and it's not dedicating that blood flow towards you know your your hamstrings to make you sprint or your quads to make you jump or whatever it is right your glutes or your shoulders or whatever you, whatever your body is doing to keep that um, action of playing rugby at a high intensity going it needs to bl- uh, have blood flow going through there to give you to provide you that energy and it's just not going to do that if it's got if it's having to dedicate some of its blood flow to your digestive system to digest this food that you've eaten an hour ago so. For sure, you still want to eat, and you want to eat light, but you want to make sure that you've eaten at, you've eaten um, a really good deal of carbohydrate the day before, so that it's stored in your muscle and it's ready to go. Um, like I say, for a hundred kilo dude, um, six hundred grams of carbs is a good idea to shoot for, and you can just spread that across meals. You don't have to force feed, um, you know, a giant giant bowl of pasta for that night you can just have six 100 grams of carbs meals and that that's really easy to get and you can do that throughout the day before and then you're fine and then game day the only real key is to make sure that you you don't load up on vegetables and fats and high fiber foods for the most part because that's when you're going to be dealing with again what i said before your your body's going to push that blood flow towards getting your digestion your food digested and it's going to take it. That's going to eventually take it away from um, getting that, promoting that blood flow and that energy towards the muscles. So you really want to make sure that you're, um, you know, you're not stocking up on high fat foods, high fiber foods. Like, and this is the only time of the week when you don't want to be smashing the vegetables. Like, you, it's just not necessary. And oh my god, that's an unhealthy morning. Well, that's one morning out of seven days that you can be smashing the vegetables and overcompensating and the body does a really really good job look at intermittent fasting there's people that don't eat for like two days on end and then they eat the body does a really good job of storing nutrients that you need later down the line like you don't have to have you know whatever magnesium or whatever micronutrients every single fucking day um your body's going to store that and make sure you're all ready for later so don't worry too much about game day. Worry about the game day, the day before the game. Um, but on game day, maybe uh, beetroot juice. There's some good science behind that. Maybe you can drink some beetroot juice or, or just nitrate powder the the about an hour before a game. Caffeine. As I finish my coffee, can help. But again, it takes a while to digest. You know, 30 minutes to an hour before. Um, I used to have a black coffee at half time in my games and you know even if it's just a placebo like those pre-workouts can do but you can help but there is a um, there is a crash that can happen afterwards and so I think you suggested that hydration might be an issue but the oh I think my live link's gone down that's weird oh well we're going to carry on with the podcast people I think that um, hydration hydration isn't the issue because you, you said you get better in the second half. If you were getting dehydrated, then you would get you know you'd start out uh, great, and then as you sweat throughout throughout the game, um, you would you'd perform worse. But I think it's more about the day before, and that's that's definitely a lesson I've learned the hard way. Um, I used to 
eat as much as I can because I was so scared about my performance deteriorating as the game went on. I was so scared about being tired. At the end of the day, my aerobic system just wasn't fit enough. Um, and, you know, getting fitter is the easiest way to have the most energy on the game day. It's, it's like, it's so overlooked that if you're, like, if you're not performing throughout the game, the best thing you can do is just get fitter and keep getting fitter. It's not... It's not something that you should overthink, and I, I, yeah, I would I would eat so much on a day because I'd be so scared, and then I'd puke every single uh, warm up. <laughs> it took me like two years before I was like, "What the fuck am I doing? Maybe I should eat a little bit less." And I tried it, and I think I was in a I was coming back from an injury, so I tried it in a second team game, and then guess what? Performed better. I was um, I played better, and you know I took that risk. Played a lot better, and then I've never, and then I, from then on, I was always a little bit more okay of it. Um, so that's what I'd recommend. Last question, because we've got five minutes left. Hey, mate, loving the content so far. I was wondering, could you outline a typical periodization plan you'd use for those you coach throughout the year, be it during season and off season, and then also specific cycles you may use during this time and the duration of them? So you want me to do my job? <laughs> no, it's it's. Um, you may have addressed this in a previous episode. Yeah. Um, so I think I've already said I will do like a long term what a rugby player needs to be doing um, sort of system in the future. And it, this might be the very next podcast. I haven't decided when I'm going to do it, but genuinely there is no one size fits all approach. There are just overriding principles as you go throughout your training career, your actual life. So if you're younger, there are different things that you should be doing. And then yeah, off season, on season, but as I mentioned already earlier, off season, in season, pre-season, they are all um, different situations as depending on the person. You could be someone that's in pre-season but your training, you know, your club makes you in train five to six times a week and you're doing a shit ton of fitness. Or you could be doing a preseason where you only train twice a week, but because you've only got a certain amount of time, you're spending all of that time doing tactical stuff and it's left upon you to do all of your uh, fitness. So it really, there is no one size fits all. It sounds like a cop out, but that's just reality of life. Um, I think the, cl- like, I want to give you something tangible. So I would say off season, as I've mentioned earlier, is probably your best time to, depend on how long it is, but it's your best time to work strength and hypertrophy just because you haven't got the game to prepare for, right? So you've got a little bit more recovery that you can dig into and you can you, know, you can beat yourself into the ground. If you're trying to get, um, I'll get into speed in a sec. Uh, you can beat yourself into the ground. You can like really function overreach. So you can be, you can have periods every, every mesocycle where you are, really 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 tired but you're only doing that so that you can compensate later and come back stronger in season you just you're not going to be able to get away with that because you've got a game that you've got to play so if you're overreached you know coach isn't going to pick you <laughs> or you're going to play like crap and then you know why are you trying to get stronger if you're playing like crap already that's that defeats the purpose so off season for strength and hypertrophy and then power and speed in season and and Essentially, the reason this is, is because if you're working power and speed um, in the off-season, there's no real way that you can actually express that power and speed. Like, you could lose that. Yeah, if you work, 
if you work power and speed in the off season and then you take another six to eight to 12 week block to do something else before going to preseason, you will have lost most of that power and speed, those gains that you've made in that time. Um, you would have, it requires a lot of work to try and keep that power and speed up. So if you're doing it in season, it gives you the, mess, the most amount of chance to stay prepared, stay ready for games. It also is going to give you less of a chance of getting injured because if you're only um, doing speed work or power work once a week during games, then th- th- you've got a chance of getting injured. Whereas if you, if you work in some sort of power and speed during the week, you keep up that level of robustness and you're able to get through a lot of work. Um, there is, however, you know, if you're, again, there's massive differences because if you're working your speed a lot in a game and you're working your power a lot in your rugby training, like you're doing, your coach is making you do a lot of sprints or you're playing lots of live games and you're sp- during your training week, then you don't have to work it in the gym. Maybe then you've, you've got time to work on other things. So it's, it's really difficult to say this is a, oh God. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just going to leave that in because it made me jump so much. I hope it doesn't make you jump as much, but I experienced that. And people need to know that I experienced that. It was horrendous. Um, where were we? So let me finish this question and we'll be done with the podcast. So, yeah, as a rule of thumb, the faster and more explosive a movement, the faster it's going to get detrained, right? So you want to make sure that you're doing that during your season as much as you can. Um, so, you know, you, even if you're just doing it to keep up your maintenance, you're going to be doing a lot, of, a, a bit of speed and power during the season. Um, you can do your strengthening hypertrophy work, as I've mentioned, and it depends on how long your season is. It's really difficult to give thorough recommendations because there are these times are all transient. It's very different for different people, and like what you would do as a 17-year-old that's just getting into it versus a 34-year-old that's clinging on to the last few years of his rugby career it's very very different and it's really really complex and that's why most guys end up just doing like a powerlifting program or a bodybuilding program or crossfit you know because you're just like ah oh, fuck all this noise it's too much to really try and overly think about and then you kind of get you get the good of a lot of it but you also don't get a lot of the benefit i think you you never really get the best of any of them if you're doing like crossfit for example if you're doing a CrossFit, you, you're never really working enough directed strength training. Like you're going to get stronger to a point. It's good to bring you up to about 70% on all aspects, but getting those la- that last 30% is really, really difficult. That's why you need to have dedicated times towards your strength, dedicated time towards gaining some muscle, dedicated time towards getting faster, doing all these different things. And especially with CrossFit, it's difficult to do that whilst also simultaneously learning to do gymnastics movements and cleans and all these other complex things. You want to actually spend your time when you're working power. You don't want to spend, you know, 90% of your time trying to work on your clean technique. You want to be jumping. You want to be working power. And so that's really like, it sounds like it, this leads me perfectly into it. It's why I created Team Rugby Muscle, which you can pick up at rugby-muscle.com forward slash team because it takes all the guesswork and thinking out of it. it you can apply it. You can... Um, essentially improve all aspects of your rugby um, playing career and your physique whilst fitting around your schedule so you can make you can adapt the program to whether you're off season or in season Uh, right now you can adapt it to whether you've got gym access or not and you can adapt it I mean everyone's in off season right now you can adapt it to your life as well so you know it's it's 
the recommendations that you would have for someone that's in season but can train 12 times in a week is going to be incredibly different to the recommendations that someone that is in season that can train twice a week or off season that can train twice a week so to say you know to to compartmentalize and say right you have to do this if you're off season or this versus if you're in season it simplifies it too much um and it doesn't take into account you know the nuances of actual life and you know it seems on the surface right we're actually going to train these different things and, and and put effort towards whatever we need to work on at whatever period of time but it's again it's it's too simple it's not that's not how humans work it's like oh what should i train how should i train as a human well how do you want to train what do you need to improve and there's so many different aspects you know and with you know your time and availability you've got to train also doesn't take into account where you're weak as a rugby player maybe you're 34 years old but you're still really skinny you've only just got into the gym there's so many different circumstances so i've created as best i can a system that you can adapt to your uh, situation and circumstances but you don't have to think about it you can train it takes all the guesswork out of it and you can train and improve all aspects of rugby playing and your physique without having to do too much thinking, but just enough thinking that you can apply it to your situation. So rugby-muscle.com forward slash team for more information on that. And with that, I think I've lost my Facebook live feed. I will see you guys in the next one. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode of the Rugby Muscle podcast, then I've got a quick little request and a potential prize giveaway for you if you do said request. All I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and type up a five-star review. Just your general opinions of the podcast would be great feedback, but also helps us reach higher rankings, get more exposure, allow me to attract more guests and devote more time to developing a better all-around podcast experience for you. All you have to do once again is go and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast service you use. Let me know that you've got it. And then every single week, I'll be selecting one review to give away a free prize. That free prize will be either one free month of Team Rugby Muscle. That's our world-class strength condition program app delivered directly to your phone. Or if that doesn't interest you, then we've got one free consultation where I'll, I'll go over your training program, your nutrition, and advise you how to best plan for your goals. Even if none of those things interest you, it's still doing me a solid and helping the podcast grow by going and giving us a five-star review. There's no real excuse. It takes like one minute and that helps the show out exponentially. So I'd really appreciate if you could do that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one.